Welcome to Common Ground, a talk show encouraging debate and a deeper understanding of hot-button topics in the German capital and beyond. I'm Soraya Sarhadi Nelson, and I'd like to introduce you to our guest host for today, Stephanie Wolf. Stephanie is an Arthur F. Burns Fellow who has been working with Common Ground since August. She's a former professional ballet dancer and comes to us from WFPL, Louisville Public Media in Kentucky, where she's an arts reporter. Welcome, Stephanie. Looking forward to hearing more about today's episode. Thanks, Soraya. 1,700 years ago, an edict drawn up by the Roman Emperor Constantine the Great appointed Jewish people to the Cologne Town Council. This decree is the oldest known document showing that Jewish life was thriving north of the Alps. Since then, the history of Jews in Germany and Europe has been largely defined by conflict and tragedy. But what does it mean to be Jewish in Germany today? The answer is a complex one, as senior producer Dina El-Sayed reports. In April, German public broadcaster WDR debuted a new late-night show online and later on TV. Yo, willkommen zu Freitagnacht Jews. Ich bin Daniel Donsrück. Kommt rein. It is called Freitagnacht Jews and is hosted by actor and musician Daniel Donskoy. During each episode, he shares the Sabbath, or Shabbat dinner, with other young Jewish people. He says it's part of their culture to eat together on Friday evenings and engage in heated discussions. On the show, the debate centers around what Jewish identity looks like in Germany. One of his guests describes it as a feeling that is hard to explain. The show highlights how being Jewish in Germany is different for everyone. There are Jewish queer communities, politically active Jewish communities, Orthodox Jews and secular Jews who connect with cultural traditions more than the religious ones. But Donskoy says being Jewish in Germany means also living with increasing anti-Semitism. That sad fact is one acknowledged by Germany's interior minister, too. Horst Seehofer told reporters last May that the number of right-wing extremist crimes hit a 20-year high in 2020, with more than 23,000 criminal offenses reported. Germany overall saw a nearly 16% increase in anti-Semitic crimes. Seehofer said the data does not support claims that anti-Semitism is being imported by migrants coming from the Middle East, as claimed by the far-right Alternative for Germany. He said, quote, almost all of the anti-Semitic crimes were motivated by right-wing extremism. That, Seehofer added, is, quote, deeply shameful, given our history. That was senior producer Dina El-Sayed. To help us delve into the question of diverse Jewish life in Germany is Dahlia Grinfeld, the Anti-Defamation League's assistant director for European affairs. She also co-founded the Jewish Student Union of Germany and Paul's Berlin home. Hi, Dahlia. Thanks for joining us here in Berlin. Hello. Thank you for having me. So what does it mean to you to be living a Jewish life in Germany in 2021? Being Jewish in Germany has a lot of different aspects to it. On the one hand, we have the historical background from the Holocaust, from the Shoah, and we feel it every day. If you look on the ground, you see stumbling stones. If you look in the media, there's news about anti-Semitism or the Shoah or otherwise. But on the other hand, you also have a lot of positive influences. For example, your Jewish upbringing, whether that is Jewish school, Jewish newspapers, or the Jewish people around you. So you have a lot of positive influences on your identity as well. So it's both of these strings, I would say, and pillars that make the Jewish identity here today. What do you think of Germany celebrating a sort of benchmark of Jewish life here? Is there any irony in celebrating Jews residing here, despite the many attempts to drive them out, not to mention the Holocaust? 
I think it is a very good question. What are we celebrating if we celebrate the 1,700 years of Jewish life? Are we celebrating all of it? Are we celebrating only a part of it? Or really, what is it that we're celebrating? So on the one hand, definitely we are celebrating that Jews are here today. And there's a resilience to it. It is a story of resilience that we have Jewish, prosperous and diverse life in Germany today. But also, we cannot forget the Holocaust, the Shoah, and all of the gruesome things that were done in that time. So it's also about commemorating that and looking ahead, how can we learn from this? And what do we do in consequences of the Shoah and the Holocaust regarding Jewish life and anti-Semitism in Germany, but also about human rights in general? You said that you want to normalize Jewish life in Germany and in Europe more broadly. What does that look like? So a lot of what we're missing in Germany regarding Jewish life is the normalization. That means Jews are only seen in the Shoah and the Holocaust when it comes to anti-Semitism or the Middle East conflict. So only these three really big pillars of negative points are where Jewish life exists. But that's not the reality. In reality, Jewish life is very diverse and very active and positive as well. So what we're missing a lot is noticing and seeing and understanding and being part of this normal Jewish life. And I believe that it helps us also to fight anti-Semitism if we understand the diverse Jewish identity, the experiences, and the holistic experiences. It is about anti-Semitism, but it is also about so much more and the positive Jewish values that we bring every day to our life as individuals and as part of our collective community. How do you achieve that normalization? So I believe education is a gigantic pillar when it comes to understanding anything. So I believe that we need education programs that foster exactly that, that have this diverse, holistic Jewish experience, but also understand the combination to Holocaust education and anti-Semitism. So education that covers the reality of Jewish life in Germany would conquer exactly this point. But also when we look into media, I think there I can't be asked once again, like, please wear a Star of David to your next interview on TV. I've been asked this many times in my life, and I always... I'm a bit shocked that I'm still asked this, and I'm not the only one. So when we look towards the media, I think they have a responsibility. So media should represent this normal Jewish life as well. The positive aspects of Jewish life, how Jews feel, what the topics are, what young Jews, for example, debate, what their topics are. I think the Eurovision Song Contest, similar to the European Eurovision Song Contest, but in a Jewish version, is an interesting point to see what young kids care about what they feel, how they feel about the world and Jewish life in Germany as well. And then you have so many great organizations, whether that is the Jewish Women Empowerment Summit, whether that is Kesha Germany as a queer Jewish organization, and many more who cover all kinds of topics when it comes to Jewish diversity. So overall, I would look into where does Jewish diverse life happen and how can we, how can we actually see diverse Jewish perspectives? You're a vocal advocate for women's rights and LGBTQ plus rights. How do all of those aspects of your identity intersect for you? So for me, the pillars of my life are political activism and Jewish activism. And when it comes to LGBTQ rights, women's rights and just minority rights in general, this is exactly where it comes from, from this pillar of fighting for democracy, fighting for human rights. And that's where these topics and others fit so normal together that I had to think about a second, why wouldn't they go together? It is something that every day when I stand up and wake up, I believe there's something to push forward to move the needle a little bit when it comes to human rights. And this really comes from my personal background on fighting for having this political activism and Jewish activism background and fighting against anti-Semitism and all forms of hate kind of. You've often spoken about living an openly Jewish life. 
Does that mean being able to wear symbols of Judaism, like a Star of David, a kippah, in public without fear? Or is it something more? One point about being openly Jewish in Germany is, of course, your visibility. So wearing a kippah on your head as a, or a Star of David on a necklace or a Jutebeutel, a bag with a Star of David on, on it, it should be free and you shouldn't have to think about as a Jewish person, what am I wearing? The same way that a boy shouldn't think about, am I wearing a skirt or not and will I be kicked for that? So it should be very natural to be openly Jewish as invisible. But also, I think when it comes to conversations, it is always this moment for a lot of people who are Jewish of saying, kind of a coming out that you're Jewish. If there's a time where we don't have to wait for the response, like what will this person think of me now or how do we look at the situation now, I think then we can be openly Jewish. And at the moment, most of my peers and myself, we do have these coming out moments where there's a second of uncertainty of the other person, like, oh, they don't know how to look at you now because of their own background and the Holocaust and their family or just their, their political views or whatnot. So I really believe there should be this moment of saying that you're Jewish without any repercussions in terms of an awkwardness around it. Outside synagogues and Jewish schools and daycares in Germany, you see security guards. This is considered a necessity. And in fact, there has been a spike in anti-Semitism recently. German authorities reported a significant rise in the number of registered anti-Semitic crimes last year. How has that affected how you live your life? Because I'm active in the political Jewish space for a while now, I personally don't change my ways because of this at the moment. However, I do see a change when the numbers are rising, when we have incidents like Halle or Hagen, then we have a difference in how the Jewish community responds and how Jewish people feel in Germany. How has it affected the ADL office in Berlin? Has it had to change its approach in any way with the rise in anti-Semitism? I think our offices or our representation here in Germany are as important as ever because it is exactly on our strategy to fight anti-Semitism in Germany, in Europe and across the world. So what we're doing in Germany, for example, words to action trainings for young Jewish students, how to address anti-Semitism on campus, in school or other places is now more important than ever before. So I wouldn't say these numbers change our policy or strategy. Rather, they amplify what we're already doing and give us even more background that it is important that we're here and that it is important that we're fighting this together with our local partners. What do you think Germans who aren't Jewish could be doing to tamp down anti-Semitism? So listening to what Jews care about, what Jews' concerns are at the moment is really important. Second of all, it is giving these voices space. For example, if you're a teacher in school or if you're a leader in a youth circle, then there. Giving Jewish voices and other minorities, for that matter, a voice to speak from their own experience to make them available for other people to speak. Although not every Jewish person wants to be an ambassador, of course, but really giving them a voice. And three is acting on it. So acting in community with Jewish people is another way of acting against anti-Semitism, asking what do they need as a community, as an individual, and figuring something out together. Thinking of where can Jewish activism and your own political, societal, communal activism come together. And it can be interfaith, it can be all kinds of events, it can be all kinds of places where you can see a different perspective. Because at the end of the day, it is about listening and empowering other perspectives to be part of overall society movements, and then not just 
without the Jews, but really with the Jewish people. It's not fighting anti-Semitism doesn't work without the Jewish perspectives. And that's something that I think the Jewish community in Germany had to fight for many years, being involved, being included in these debates, not just being talked about, but being invited to speak from our own perspectives. So do you still believe young Jewish people can build a good life in Germany? A hundred percent. I think the new generation of young Jews in Germany shows how much we are willing to not only stay in Germany and be active in Germany, but really be part of community and society, fight across the parties, all of the democratic parties for a Germany together. And you can see when we look at the numbers of NGOs that young Jews are founding, if you look at the topics, if you look at the numbers, how many people are engaged and involved, it shows that young Jews are interested not only in staying, but really building a Jewish Germany for them and for everyone. So I'm absolutely sure that there is a future for Jewish life in Germany, but there's also a lot to it to build towards it. It is not only on us Jews, it is really on overall society to build this future for Jewish life together. That someday these uh, pillars of security that you mentioned in front of Jewish institutions are not necessary anymore. Thanks so much, Dahlia, for speaking with me today. Thank you for having me and this important conversation. We're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we'll hear from other Germans who are Jewish about life in Germany. Stay tuned. I'm Soraya Sarhadi Nelson, the host of Common Ground. And I'm Dina El Said, the senior producer. Each week, we bring you a new lively discussion on a hard-hitting topic. If you want to learn more about our podcast, check out our website at commongroundberlin.com. The episodes are free to download, but they aren't free to create. Common Ground depends on grants as well as donations from listeners like you. So if you want to help us out, please click on the donate button at commongroundberlin.com. And thanks for listening. I'm Rachel Tausenfreund, one of the hosts of the German Marshall Fund's podcast, Out of Order. Join our conversations with leaders and experts on what the dark side of tech does to democracy, how the pandemic shapes geopolitics, and other topics of global order and disorder. You can find our episodes and miniseries at gmfus.org or wherever you find your podcasts. We are the German Marshall Fund of the United States, strengthening transatlantic cooperation since 1972. Welcome back to Common Ground. I'm Stephanie Wolf, and we're talking about Jewish life in Germany 1,700 years later. Jewish people have been migrating to Germany since the end of the Second World War. It's still a very small group compared to other immigrant populations in the country, but one that gets a lot of attention given the nation's history. Here's what some Jewish expats had to say about choosing Germany as their home. My name is Jill Baton, and I'm the founder of Bear Radio, which is Berlin's English language podcasting network, school, and production house. I live in Berlin, and I moved here from the Bay Area in California. I originally moved to Berlin to get my graduate degree in public policy from the Hurdy School of Governance here in the city. It's interesting because when I first moved here in 2014, it wasn't even so much of a thing that was discussed kind of in my expat bubble, like anti-Semitism and rising anti-Semitism. I think Germany is so much more than what 
happened during World War II and the Holocaust. I think there's so many amazing people who live here in this country. And I have friends from all over the world. And I've gotten a really great education here. I have a lot of opportunity here. It's just a city that's really provided a lot for me. And there's a lot of really good people in Germany who are fighting anti-Semitism. And I think that we should focus on the people who are combating it and give them resources rather than, you know, say that, oh, of course, there's going to be anti-Semites in Germany. Sure, there's anti-Semites everywhere. My name is Nathan Reichenthal. I am a student studying architecture here in Berlin, and I would consider myself a cultural Jew. I am from Houston, Texas originally, but I moved to New York for university and when I got here and heard German, a language that I had only heard in the Holocaust movies, there was a period of adjustment. And a lot of the people that I know who visited me were Jewish, have that same experience. If someone asked me why I, as a Jew, wanted to live here, I would probably say that me living here has very little to do with my Jewish background though I am very aware of this background when I am here, uh, it doesn't really affect me that much day to day. Living here is interesting because it's a country that has actually dealt with its past or attempts to deal with its past and is very aware of the things that as a nation have been done uh, wrong against specifically the Jews. And that actually, in a sense, makes it sort of easier to be here than in certain other places where anti-Semitic histories are either swept under the rug or minimized. That was Jill Baton and Nathan Reichenthal sharing why they moved to Germany. Rachel Liebskin is another Jewish person who decided to make her home here. She is a performance and visual artist who was born in Milan then spent much of her childhood in Berlin before moving to the U.S. at age 14. She speaks a handful of languages and holds multiple passports. Rachel, welcome to Common Ground. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Your family came here when you were six months old, just before the Berlin Wall fell. Your father, famed architect Daniel Liebskin, had accepted a job to design Berlin's Jewish Museum. But I understand your extended family was not as on board with this move. Why? Um, Well, I think, you know, at the time in 1989, you know, Berlin was not what it is today. It was not a place that people were just, especially before the wall fell, um, you know, that people and even really Jews were so excited to go visit even, let alone move and move their whole family. You know, I think the first person to come visit us was actually my dad's father, who was a Holocaust survivor. He was extremely victorious upon coming back here. I think he felt actually very, that there had been a real full circle that here he was back in Berlin, especially after the wall fell. But yeah, people were shocked. And and most of our family was sort of terrified and horrified that we had chosen to live here. I mean, did they feel like it was like a betrayal or something? I think it was more like, why on earth would you want to live there? You know, I think the sort of, at lack of a better word, the sort of psychic haunting of a place like Berlin, of all places, for a Jew to go live um, was sort of unthinkable to them. And again, you know, Berlin and Germany and Europe, dare I say, feels a lot more resolved now in 2021 than I think it did in 1989. 
But um, it was pretty unthinkable. And look, you know, when I tell Americans that I meet or American Jews that I grew up in Berlin, I've still encountered people who are like, oh, I, I don't want to go or I've never been or I should go. I know I should go. My family's from there, but I really don't want to go. So I think there's still a lot of hesitation from Jews in the diaspora outside of Europe to come back to Berlin and Germany. So what was your childhood in Berlin like in the 90s? And how much did your Jewish identity shape your life back then? Well, my childhood in the 90s was amazing. Berlin was still kind of what I think people want it to be today. You know, it was still really rough around the edges. I remember coming to, you know, the former East Berlin and there still being loads of buildings riddled with bullet holes, you know, areas that had just never been rebuilt after 1945. But Berlin was great. You know, it was safe. It was exciting. It was it was a culturally you know, just as vibrant as it is today. However, it was much less of a kind of global city. You know, people did not speak English. That's my main memory. My, my mother never learned German. And so she'd take me around my whole childhood as a kind of translator. People did not speak English. You know, there was barely any other sort of outside of European cuisine restaurants. There was no Asian restaurants. You know, it was, it was very provincial. And, you know, after the year 2000, um, when the capital was moved to Berlin and, and the introduction of the euro, things really started to blossom here and it started to become a metropolis. Um, in terms of growing up here as a Jewish child, I mean, it was confusing. It was very confusing. You know, on one hand, I felt inundated by the darkness of the history, which is really difficult for a kid to sort through. And Berlin is a place where history is so present. Every building, every street, my parents or my dad would point to the building and say, oh, that's oh, look, that's the Vanze Villa. That's where the final solution was behind, you know, or, oh, this is Hitler. You know, we lived on Nandorf Platz near uh, one of Hitler's bunkers. This is a Nazi bunker, right? So it's the, pre the presence of history is um, very palpable and very concrete. And yet, you know, I felt assimilated here. I spoke German. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not at all observant. I wasn't raised, I was raised very secularly. So I felt that I was a part of this culture, that I was a German kid. So I was torn between those those realities. So not necessarily being as involved with the organized aspects of Jewish life in Berlin, you know, being more secular, how did that shape your views then of Judaism? Well, interestingly, I think being a Jew here, you know, whether you're a kid or an adult, it's kind of forces you to, to take a position you know, I think being a Jew in, a, in the American diaspora allows you to kind of be more wishy-washy or not really have to think that much about it. Whereas here, you know, you are, you are Jewish. It's, there's no, there's no, um, there's no way around it. So because we were not involved in the community, I identified very much as culturally Jewish. You know, I, I felt very much in a kind of legacy of Jewish people who had been here, who had, um, being artists or thinkers and and sort of the greatest greater trajectory of Jews within Europe pre-war. And it's listen, it's not a it's not all happy, right? Like a lot of identifying with that kind of cultural legacy is also taking in the loss and the immense void and the immense uh, destruction. So it was um, I can't say it was all that easy. How do you square with it now? You know, now um, I'm an adult, I'm raising my own kids here, and I am still very much secular, and I still identify extremely happily at culturally Jewish, and I, and I do enjoy the sort of legacy of Jewish artists who've been in Berlin, but 
it's a strange identity here because, you know, every Jewish institution is guarded by police. So it's it's this strange, um, contradictory experience where, you know, I, I keep meeting Israelis and other Jews who've come here. And it's like, wow, what a blossom for the city in terms of sort of resurrecting at least a fraction of Jewish life. And at the same time, you kind of have to contend with the fact that you're still under threat in this way that, you know, I think you you have to sort of slough off in your everyday life. I don't think, I don't live every day afraid of being here. At the same moment, like, I, I don't want to put a mezuzah on my door, right? Like, I don't, I don't need every person who walks in my building to know that a Jew lives there. I think some people would probably disagree with me. I think a lot of people feel much more um, edified and want to sort of show their Jewishness and show the bravery of being here and being outwardly Jewish. I feel that I walk maybe a, on a thinner line there. You actually moved to the U.S. as a teenager, eventually went to university at Harvard in Cambridge, Massachusetts, and then spent many years in New York. So how different were your experiences as a Jewish person in New York or the U.S. more broadly compared to your experiences in Germany? You know, being a Jew in New York is a part of another kind of incredible cultural legacy, right? Very, very different than the one in Berlin. Um, you know, overall, I would say much lighter, much easier, much more fun. Um, you know, there's jokes and food and a kind of joyousness um, in that identity and a kind of mainstream normalization, right, of, of what being Jewish means to people who are not Jews. Here in Germany, I think... Coming back here, I remember, I realized I'm still an other, right? Like I meet people and they find that I'm Jewish or they assume I'm Jewish because I have the name Rachel. And, you know, it, it's like, oh, you're, you're someone else. You, you exist, you're, you're different, you're an other. And I didn't, I can't say I had that experience as much in New York. You know, I can't say that I felt as othered, you know. I'm basically in New York a white girl. <laughs> and here in Germany, I'm very much a Jew, what made you want to move back to Berlin and raise your kids here? Um, great question. Well, first of all, it's a great place to live, and it's a great place to have kids, and it's an incredibly progressive city. It's incredibly interesting. I'm an artist. I find the art world here to be um, one which I really enjoy, and I'm I'm sort of excited to be a part of, and is much more accessible in general than New York in, on many levels. But I think raising my kids here is important to me because it gave – Growing up here as a Jew gave me a perspective on my identity that I think is more diverse and more um, perhaps richer, at least in my experience, than had I, you know, were I to raise my kids in New York. So we'll see how long we last here. You know, it's also not easy. Mm. So then what do you want your kids to understand about Jewish life in Berlin and in Germany? You know, I think Jewish life here is so in flux. It's changed so much since I was a kid. You know, now Berlin is home to a huge population of um, Israelis who sort of leave Israel because of the pressure of living there and, and sort of start, have started a new home here. And, and there's a huge uh, population of former Soviet Jews who've come here and they're sort of their own community as well. And being a Jew here, I think, for a kid is really feeling the way in which history is alive that I don't think you get when you live in a place like New York or parts of the United States, you know, really understanding that identity is not something that is set in stone. It's something that is ever-changing with so many variables. You know, being a Jew is not something that somehow, a German Jew or a Jew that lives in Germany is not something that 
stopped in 1945 and you're just constantly going back to that. It's something that is really, really in flux and evolving every day. You mentioned earlier how it's not easy being Jewish in Germany in part because of the threat of anti-Semitism. Are there other factors that make Jewish life here challenging? Well, I think it's, there's just not a lot of Jews. I mean, that's really the, the most basic thing. There are very, very few Jews here. So, you know, trying to find it, there's, you know, maybe one kosher store. I'm not kosher, but I know from, you know, Jews that are more orthodox that there's one store you can go to or there's, you know, one place that makes challah on Friday if you want to celebrate Shabbat or, you know, just the sort of logistics of the simplest of rituals, right? Because there's just not any demand for it. I think that's one of the more challenging parts of living here. I also think, like I said, contending with kind of feeling under threat. My instinct with that is not to want to blow that out of proportion and at the same time to try to take that in stride um, with uh, as a reality that, that it really faces Jews here. Thank you, visual and performance artist Rachel Liebskin, for sharing your experiences about being Jewish in Berlin. And thank you for listening to Common Ground. I'm Stephanie Wolf, filling in for Soraya Sarhadi Nelson. Our senior producer is Dina El Sayed, and our social media editor is Manuel Sierra Alonso. Common Ground is made possible through a grant administered by the German Ministry for Economic Affairs and Energy. Thank you to our partner, the German Marshall Fund of the United States. And a big thank you also to Jamie Johnston from City Starling's blog for writing about Common Ground. Check out her blog for expats in Germany. All of our episodes are available wherever you get your podcast. If you're on Apple, we'd love for you to write a review on Common Ground. You can also subscribe to the podcast on Spotify. And be sure to also check out our website, commongroundberlin.com. <laughs>